started a series uh, <clears throat> three weeks ago. This is lesson three. How to hear the voice of God in the details of life. I'm going to know if you ever needed to hear God, today's the day. Would you agree with that? With so many topsy-turvy things happening and so much going on, it's important uh, now more than ever to know the voice of God. So we're just going to go line upon line here and just share some truths I believe that will be a blessing and help. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm purposing to slow down because I, I really want you to digest some things I've shared. And these, what I'm sharing in this series is very personal to me. I came to the Lord just before I was 18 and just really wanted to hear God. I knew if I could hear God as a young man that, that life, I would follow God's purpose and plan. And when you follow God's purposes and plans for your life, that is success. Success is not making money. Success is not having a grand business. Success is not anything but obeying and performing the will of God for your life and standing before him one day and hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant. How many agree with that? So uh, I wanted that. So anyway, uh, really personal to me, a couple of scriptures I'll probably share each time. We're not, how many know we're not led by prophecy? We're led by the Holy Spirit. A lot of people think, well, I want somebody to prophesy over me. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Susan and I hadn't known it. Well, we'd been dating a very short period of time. We went to a meeting in, in uh, my hometown, Florence, at a technical college, it was a meeting in one of their auditoriums. You remember, Susie knows what I'm about to say. True story. We had been dating just a few weeks, and uh, so we're sitting there listening. This prophet came to town, you know, and, and he was really good. And then one of the local pastors came up to us after the meeting, and he said, uh, he said, well, I believe the Lord's leading. And he looked at Susan. Now, I just, well, I was getting to know her, you know. It's like, so he looked at the Susan side. I believe the Lord's speaking to me, and God's wanting you to go to Pago Pago and be a missionary. Pago Pago is one of the American Samoa Islands in the South Pacific. And I looked at her. I didn't know what to say. I looked at that man. I looked at her. We sat down and she had a really nice Camaro. You should have seen that car. We sat down in that Camaro. And I said, uh, now you didn't tell me anything about that. She said, that's the first time I heard about it. And you know, we hadn't been to Samoa yet. I was thinking maybe that's where we're going to retire or something. But I'm not planning on retiring. So uh, I don't know. I hadn't been there yet. Been uh, been to a lot of places in the world, but not Samoa. So oh, pago pago. So anyway, <laughs> no. What's the moral of that? Don't listen to prophets. They might they might be wrong. Probably will be. I've had so many prophecies that haven't come to pass in my life. I've had people say all kind of things to me. Usually I just say, "Well, thank you." Now they don't know what I mean by thank you. I could have said meant thank you for being dumb, but I didn't say anything. I said thank you. Anyway, Romans eight fourteen. for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God's, God's desire is that we all be motivated and led and understand his voice, led by the Spirit of God. Proverbs twenty twenty seven. the Spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So um, uh, first week, August 2nd, uh, talked about uh, a person uh, in the Old Testament who uh, put out a fleece before God, basically doing this. Say, God, if you want me to do this, then you in the natural realm do this. God, if you want me to do this, then you do that. Something physical I can see, something I can put my hands on to know that you actually spoke. God doesn't speak to Christians by outward things. 
He speaks to us inside where he dwells in our human spirit. The the spirit of God speaks to our spirit and we've got to learn how to hear his voice. I also mentioned that God will often lead you in a way that seems really strange to your mind that doesn't make natural sense, but it fits a plan and pattern for, for what he has for your life. God sees macro, not micro. God sees the big plan, you know, uh, Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth, don't forget. So God, every book, every, every day of your life is written in a book in heaven, and all he wants you to do is get in sync with that book, and if you will, life will be good for you. How many believe that? The Holy Spirit's given us. And last week, we talked about there's two different ways to receive from the Lord. And I mentioned two Greek words that really describe the two ways the Word of God is applied to our life. Logos. Everybody say Logos. The Greek word for Logos in the New Testament is the word for the whole Word of God. Um, the sum total of everything that God says is contained in the book called the Bible. All 66 books, there are, there are, uh, there, there's nothing that contradicts or disagrees in the original languages of Scripture. How many hear me? And it takes the Holy Spirit to do that. So, and then there is the rhema. Everybody say rhema. Now again, Kenneth Hagin uh, back in 1974 started rhema. Bible college and rhema is the word for the, the word of God spoken to your heart. Specific word that the Holy Spirit gives you from the word of God or something that lines up with his word that gives you direction in life. Where, where, and then this is so clearly shown in John 16, 13, where Jesus said, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. That's the logos. All truth is the logos, Right? He'll guide you into the word for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. How many know the Holy Spirit will witness the word to your life? So, so I'm, not, I'm not a candidate for the specific word from heaven if I'm not cognizant and being aware that I'm to be a doer of the word of God as a whole, the Logos. How many hear me? So if I'm in tune with the Logos, then I'm, then I'm a candidate for the rhema, a specific word from heaven. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He will not speak on his own authority, talking about the Holy Spirit. Whatever he hears, he'll speak. Many times in my life, I've been starting to make a decision or do something. I just have a scripture reference come to me over and over. I've had it thousands of times, you know, in a, in a 44-year period. And, uh, and I just know what well, the Holy Spirit's trying to say something and trying to get something across to me. Sometimes I didn't understand why he was using that particular scripture, but he would do it. And, and then, you know, early in life, I was, you know, kind of, you know, crying in the tea. Why, why ain't God speaking to me, speaking to all my friends, speaking to all these wonderful men and women of God that I hear, but why isn't he speaking to me? Why ain't God speaking to me? I found out he had been speaking to me all along. All, all, ever since I came to know Jesus in 1976, he had been speaking. The word would come up. When the word comes up in your mind, you need to listen. How many hear me? It's the Holy Spirit talking. If I neglect the word, I'm neglecting the Holy Spirit. If I neglect the word, I'm, I'm neglecting the very thing that God has placed in my hands and in my life for me to get to know him and to hear the spirit that comes from him. How many hear me? Then Jesus said here in verse 14, in fact, uh, the latter part again of uh, verse 13, uh, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. That's the rhema. That's that specific word. He will glorify me. Anything that the Holy Spirit does does not bring attention to the human. How many hear me? No, it brings attention 
to Jesus. I never forget. I, you see, I'm getting off. That's what happens when I start speaking. Things come up to me. This was probably 1977, 8. I was in my first church uh, that I attended after I came back to Jesus' charismatic church. And uh, we had, a, uh, we had a, uh, anyway, a, a person prophesied. Like I prophesied at the beginning of this service. That means inspired utterance. The Holy Spirit inspired me to say some things. And a person uh, looked at a particular person in the Bible school there and said, you're going to be one of the greatest evangelists that has ever been. And talked about that person and how grand he was and how great he was and what his personality was like. And I took note because I had been reading right then. That couldn't be the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will not, pay, will, will not build up a person. He'll build up Jesus. So any voice that comes to you making you think you somebody grand, you need to hit your face. That is not God. That's the devil. Or your own personality. How many hear me? No, Jesus said, he will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. So again, I mentioned very clearly, you cannot hear the voice of God if you neglect the word of God. So we talked about that in fair detail. Today, I want to share something that uh, is extremely fundamental, extremely basic. But you know what I found out? The, The things that make life happen well for you are not the complicated things. It's the simple things that you learn, that you ingest, that become a part of who you are, that become a part of daily behavior, and you just repeat them over and over and over and over. That's what makes life successful. How many hear me? Life is really not all that complicated. They're just simple principles that make life work. And what I want to share today is just fundamental basic stuff. If you're going to walk with God and keep the flesh under and then learn to hear the voice of the Lord, you really want to hear this today. If you want to live, and listen to this, independent of circumstances. Circumstances can throw you for a loop. I mean, you can be doing great, and then one phone call, one email, one text, and where your head was before, that's where your feet is now. That's where your feet, I mean, you just fell, right? And that, that can happen in life, happens to us frequently. So if you want to learn to live independent of the circumstances and maintain a life of peace, a life of joy, then then what I'm sharing today is a must to know. And so uh, it's fundamental. Some of you have heard this. I'm going to share some things that, you know, uh, they're, they're not new. But how many know they are some of the most important things you will ever know as a believer. And, and uh, Arthur S. Way uh, has a translation of uh, the epistles of Paul and the Psalms and the book of Hebrews. And uh, it's a great little book. I, found, I got, bought it in uh, mid-80s and uh, it's hard to find today. But Arthur S. Way had a translation of Philippians 4.11 that has really helped me all these years. And it says this, and, and it talks about really being led by the Spirit. Listen, I've learned in whatever condition I am to be independent of circumstances. Now, what if, what if tough things come into your life and you're able to navigate through them and smile? And that's where, What I'm going to share today is worth more than any money you'll make, ever make. It's, it's worth more than multiplied millions of dollars because that'll all fade away and it could change rapidly. But what I'm going to share with you today, it'll keep you out of trouble. It'll, it'll help you hear the voice of God. It'll help you stay out of personal trouble in your domestic life, in your personal life, in your family life. How many hear me? I've learned in whatever condition I am to be independent of circumstances. Then he said, I'm schooled to bear the depths of poverty. 
Listen, I'm schooled to bear abundance. What was he saying? I don't care what circumstance hits me, I'm living above it. That's what he's saying. In life as a whole, in all its circumstances, I've mastered the secret of living. How to be the same amidst repletion and starvation, amidst abundance and privation. I'm equal to every lot. That means everything that happens through the help of him who gives me inward strength. Isn't that good? See, you can look like a little wimpy person on the outside, but, but you could be an Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was in his young days on the inside. How many hear me? Smith Wigglesworth used to say it, I'm 10,000 times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Man, I really like that. So you, you know, work out with all those weights you want to. You may look real great, but you not, might not be able to stand against the tests that come in life. You want to stand against the test. Develop your spirit nature. If you'll learn to do it, you'll be glad. So I want to talk to you about doing that a little bit today. I've got a, a graph that somebody made many years ago. Before we go there, however, I want to talk to you about spirit, soul, and body. Everybody say spirit, soul, body. Now I want you to say this. I am a spirit. Say it this way. I'm a spirit being. I have a soul. I live in a human body. Now, I've been saying that. In fact, uh, you know, I've talked about little note cards I had when I was a kid. <clears throat> On that note card, that's one of the first things I put. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. And, you know, I, at the time, was more body conscious and more mind and emotion conscious than I was spirit conscious. So it helped me to say that out loud. And I would say it. I had certain things I'd say out loud every day. How many know words will rule your life if you let them? If you believe what you're saying, it'll change who you are. And I begin to say, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a physical body. Now, that's God's definition of the human personality. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the, our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Most people today see man as a mind and a body, maybe with a subconscious mind, they call it. Well, God has another word for the subconscious mind. How about spirit? Spirit, soul, and body. Some people say we're a tripartite being. I don't like to say it that way. No, we're spirits created in the image of God. I am a spirit being. I have or possess a soul, and I live in a human body. Now, I've been thinking this way over 40 years so it's really common for me to think of me that way because I've just worked at it. When I first started, this was new. This was new as, as anything I've ever heard in my life. So again, if you will put that, uh, that um, there, it's already up there. Look at there. Can, now this thing's quit working. Look at this. I was all excited about this and it ain't even working. God bless you. Well, I was all excited about you seeing that little red dot. Anyway. If you'll just look now, you know, these circles, spirit, soul, and body, I'm, that's sort of right and sort of not. Maybe, maybe concentric circles where they all kind of join together. I'm going to say this real simply, but, but, it's, but it's not quite as simple as I'm making it. It's a little more complicated than that. Sometimes you don't know where spirit stops and mind start, starts. Did you hear me? And then sometimes it's hard to differentiate between all three of them. What am I sensing? What am I feeling? What is this? Sometimes they all get all tangled up, but we're going to look at it in a fairly simplistic way today. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit is the part of me 
that's created, we'll look at it in a minute, in the image of God, spirit on the left bottom here, the spirit has a voice, everybody say conscience. You know, you can say conscience is the voice of the human spirit. You can have a conscience that's tainted. I know people whose consciences will let them do anything. Why? They've not developed their conscience. Or they violated their conscience so many times, their conscience is no longer a safe guide. If you'll get in the word as a believer, if you'll get into the word and get your mind renewed, then the conscience can be trained to hear the voice of God. How many hear me? Our consciences are trained by, uh, by observation, by influence, by association from years of living life, from the time we're little tots. We learn what men are, what women are, who we are, how we relate, what sexes are, what male is, what female is, what relationships look like, how to speak, how to talk, you know, how to be, how to relate to other people. And, and then sometimes we're raised in certain environments that our consciences are not safe guides because we've been exposed to things that we should not have been exposed to as children. How many hear me? So, so I'm just trying to make a point that, and then, and then if you don't know Jesus, you're a self-centered person. The, the whole nature of man is twisted and warped from the way God created it because of the nature of sin. How many hear what I'm saying? So because of the nature of sin, then the conscience by, in, and by, in and of itself and by itself is not a safe guide. But when you get born again and the Holy Spirit enters your human spirit, and then when you get your mind renewed with Scripture, then, then that, 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 that changes the conscience. And the conscience can become firm and become clear, can be educated. The conscience can be trained in the Word to the point that conscience can become, if you let it, not necessarily, but if you let it, the voice of God. Yes or no? So conscience is the voice of the human spirit. Now, persons that know the Lord, that are saved, people that don't know the Lord, that are unsaved, everybody's got a conscience Every, because you're a spirit being and that, and that conscience is the, is, is the voice of the human spirit. Second Corinthians five seventeen. if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away, all things have become new. Where's that true? That's true in your spirit. You say, but pastor, I've been born again, but I still want to do things that I did before I was saved. That's right, because of, because of the soul and because of the body and the residual effects of sin, there are, there are roots of sin still laying dormant in the soul and in the body of a, of a, of a Christian. And, and, and if you're not careful, you'll start doing things you did before you knew the Lord and the whole time your spirit saying, no, 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 Right? I won't ask for hands of anybody that's ever done that because every hand will go up, right? So, so uh, new creature uh, in Christ. And then Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 lists nine fruit of the human spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Did you know you possess every one of them if you're a believer? You say, well, I don't love, well, it's in you. Well, I don't have joy, well, it's in you. Well, I don't have peace, well, it's in you. Well, I'm certainly not long-suffering and patient. Well, it's in you. You got to develop it. When the Holy Spirit comes, he brings all those nice fruit, all of them. Where are they? They're in the spirit of man. And see, that's how you can tell whether a person is living in the soul or living in the spirit. A soul-based believer is a believer who is moved by the circumstances of life that, that when somebody's green, they're green. When somebody's red, they're red. They're a chameleon. 
They're a spiritual chameleon. They're a human chameleon. They are what everybody wants them to be. Instead of taking a firm stand, they're not, they're, they're not listening to the person inside. They're still listening to their mind, their body. How many hear me? So spirit nature, that's the part of us that is created to know God will come back to that soul. Everybody say soul. Spirit and soul, when I was a little boy, you know, the pastor would say so many souls got saved at church last Sunday. So I always had the idea that soul and spirit were the same because the Bible seemed, because I thought the Bible said they were the same. Sometimes the soul means the whole, the whole inward person. Uh, a person, a living being, sometimes it means that. Other times in the Bible, the soul, the Greek word, has reference to the mind. The, the soul really is made up of three parts, um, intellect or reasoning. In fact, you could say that the, the primary voice of your soul is reason. How many like to reason everything out? How many reason too much? Yeah, you're like me, right? I mean, you're, you're thinking about how that won't work, how that could work, why it could work, what everybody else is thinking about it, what's going to happen about that two weeks from now, three weeks from now, a year from now, you know, why didn't I think of that before, right? Soul, it's your mind's working too much. You've got to learn to calm the mind down. And then right along with, with intellect, a reason is emotion. Now, emotions, emote means to move. Emotions are designed, you know, they're carriers. Uh, uh, emotions are carriers of thought. You ever thought about it that way? In fact, if you're feeling something, if everything's equal and your body's working the way it should, now sometimes the human body can malfunction and it'll cause the emotions to malfunction. You'll feel gloomy all the time. People have to deal with that because they're stressed out. They don't get enough rest or they've had traumatic things happen and they've internalized them and it's depleted, you know, neurochemicals in their physical brain and it produces things in the emotions, right? But emotions in a normal, healthy person they come from thoughts. So if you're feeling something, you're thinking something. If you want to change what you're feeling, you've got to change what you're thinking. How many of you have had this experience? Again, again, you've had this experience. Life's going good. You get up in the morning, got you a cup of coffee. That sure is good coffee. You tell your spouse, that's just good coffee. You read your Bible, that sure was a good Bible reading today. You pray a little bit, that sure was a good time with God. You go to work, that sure was a good commute today. I'm sure enjoying the day. Hip, hip, hooray. Right? And then you get a phone call or you get a text. And immediately, in three seconds, everything that is good is suddenly gloomy. Now, what produces that thought? The thoughts control emotions. If you're having an emotional roller coaster time, what are you thinking? What are you thinking about? I'm going to know the enemy will keep you bound to your past if you let him. Yeah? But you can let it go. If you'll say what God's word says about you and don't let up, it'll change your emotions. So mind, emotions, and then will, volition, power of, of uh, choice. That's not in the spirit. If, you're, if your willpower was spirit in your spirit, you'd always make right decisions, but you know you don't do that. No, no, sometimes we follow our bodies. Sometimes we follow our thinking, our emotions, and, and sometimes we follow our spirit and make those choices. It's really up to us, isn't it? So again, soul is uh, uh, mind, emotion, will, 
or volition. And of course, the Apostle Paul, Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world, one translation says, squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Then the physical body. I say, you know, uh, I heard this back in the 70s, and I couldn't, I just think it's a good way to explain that astronauts have spacesuits. That's the environment that you can, you can, you know, take those walks outside of the uh, International Space Station. Or if you've seen the pictures, I remember when I was a boy, seeing the person, you know, set foot on the moon with those great big suits they had that could handle that atmosphere and environment. And they could just bound along because there was, you know, no, uh, there was no gravity to hold them down. It was kind of fun. I thought, man, I'd like to do that, right? But then you think about an Earth suit, an earth suit keeps us tied to this planet. And without the earth suit, I can't live here, right? So my body is my earth suit. And uh, the voice of my body, generally speaking, feelings. The home of the five senses is the physical body. Uh, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, seeing. The five senses. Without the five senses, the body's going to have a really hard time receiving anything, Right? And so again, so spirit, soul, and body were made in the image of God and were made uh, for him to rule us. And then on the top right on the screen here, um, King, now I got this from Lester Sumrall. I heard him back in 1981 and he had a series on this and, and uh, he attended uh, Kenneth Hagin's son-in-law's church. Well, he went to his son uh, Kenneth Hagin's son in, his son-in-law's church to do a, 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 a meeting, and he shared some of these things. King, servant, slave. He said, keep your spirit on the level of a king. Now, what, we don't think about kings. What do kings do? They, they make declarations. Ecclesiastes 8, 4, where the word of a king is, there's power. Keep your spirit on the level, level of a king. If you've done any reading of history, when there's a king, the king gives an edict, and everybody must obey or, or the king could kill them, right? So, so the king's in charge. Now, thank God we don't live that way today. But if you think about that in reference to your human spirit, always let your spirit person be in charge of you. And then the, serve, the, the soul should be on the level of a servant. What does a servant do? Obeys given instructions. You know what we do too many times? We let our minds control everything we do. We're our emotions. Some people are controlled by their emotions. Up one day, down the next. Or up one minute, down the next. Right, like a yo-yo. No, no. Spirit king, soul servant, and body. Keep the body on the level of a slave. A slave has no will of his own. He has to do what the master declares, right? Nobody wants slavery today. But you know what? You need to make a slave of your physical body or it will turn against you and hinder your walk with God. That's why the apostle Paul said, I keep under my body and bring it into submission. Lest I preach the gospel to others, I myself should be disqualified. How many know you've got to keep your flesh under? Well, pastor, I've got this yearning and that yearning. I know all of us do. But you know what? Thank God you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you can say, not today, not today, not tomorrow. Father, help me. How many know he will? But you've got to do something with your body. A lot, a lot of believers don't do anything with their bodies. They don't try to control the natural urges of the flesh. And then they, they, I mean, they get waylaid by the devil constantly. And then they stay in a point of condemnation all the time because they've not learned to discipline their bodies. One good way to discipline your body is fast every once in a while. 
Or maybe even, uh, Kenneth Hagin, you say this, a better way is to live a fasted life. Never eat all you can. Maybe, man, I want, I want another two bowls of that soup. Well, just take a half a bowl or three quarters of a bowl. Well, that fried chicken's so good, I want four, four breasts. No, you don't. Get one. I know you like to go to Bojangles, but don't do it. You see what I'm saying? Or that fried chicken's so good, we'll take that good stuff off and just eat the lean. Don't ever eat all you can. Live a fasted life. That's actually harder than fasting. Did you know that? Because that means 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're in charge of you. And your body's not, not over on anything. You're telling it what to do, how much to ingest, when to do it, what to do. Right? Is that true? Anyway, spirit, soul, body, king, servant, Slave. That's a good way to look at it. The combination of the spirit. I want you to think about this too. This is in the notes. The combination of spirit and, and body creates the soul. And I'll look at this in just a minute again. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, Genesis 2, 7, breathed into his, no, breath, his nostrils the breath of life, or the New Living says, he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, says it backwards from King James. And man became a living person, or the King James said man became a, a living soul. So the soul enables us to relate to this world, to this life. The physical bodies are related to this planet, right? So let's look at that a little bit further. The deepest part of us, the most important part of you is spirit. Do you see yourself, first of all, as a spirit being? Or, so, 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 so if you're going to walk with God and, and hear his voice clearly, We've got to learn to see ourselves, first of all, as a spirit person made in the image of God. Not a mind, not a body, and not anything that is attached to any of those things. Spirit first, that means relationship with God first. I've got some questions in my notes that would be good for us to consider. Do you consider, first of all, your appearance, your weight, your muscles, or your lack of them, your prettiness, or your ugliness? If you think of that first, that's a person who's carnally minded. Hmm? Or there are other people who think of their intelligence, their pedigree, their family heritage, the letters after their name because of all of the information they've stuck in their brain. And they have these uh, initials after their brain. Well, that's wonderful. That's all good. But if you think of your educational background first, you're carnal. Or some people think of their skills and abilities their wealth, all of the things that they own and possess, all of the things that they've done. That's a carnal person. It gets quiet, right? Or some people think, watch this, this is today, some people think of ethnicity first. I'm not a white man, I'm a believer. Right? You're not an Asian, you're a Christian. How many hear me? Not that that doesn't matter, but if you put it first, you're going to make a mess. And we got a mess in America right now because the wrong voices are saying things that shouldn't be said. Yes or no? Not that we haven't had problems in the past, but you don't overcome the problems by talking about that all the time. You overcome the problems by loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And esteeming another person as much as you esteem Jesus. Yes or no? Well, as much as you esteem yourself, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You should put Jesus first, right? I put Jesus first, my ethnicity is, it, 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 it shouldn't mean a lot to me. 
That didn't go over very well, did it? Yes or no? If I'm walking in the Spirit, the number one thing in my life is my relationship with Jesus. Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free, we're all one in Christ. That means I esteem you because you're human. We're part of the same human race. Is that true? So that enables us to live above all this fray and all this mess. See what the enemy's doing? He's creating division in our nation because he wants to control it. But I don't know about you. He's not going to control my thinking. And I'm not going to do what another person says because they say I need to do it. I'm going to do what Jesus says. Yes or no? See, we got all kinds of confusion right now. Is it true? First thing I should think about is my relationship with Jesus. If I'll do that, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. If I do that, I love everybody. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you have or don't have. I don't care if you're educated or uneducated. I don't care where you live, what you drive, what you wear, or even how you smell like or what you look like. I just love you. All I know is I love you. I just love you. How many know if you live that way, life is easy? Is that true? That means somebody that's down and out, you can say, what can I do to help you out? You need a meal? You need some clothes? You need a coat? You need some shoes? Let me help you. Let me tell you what it also it doesn't do. It doesn't brag about what it has because it really doesn't matter. If you're bragging, you're carnal. Thank you. I think I will. There's a part of me that likes to brag. Look what I got. I've had to take that to Jesus and lay it on the floor. Say, Jesus, you got to help me. I got, I got to stop that. Don't talk about what I have or don't have. I like that red truck I got out there. I want to talk about it, but that's wrong. Right? Is that true? No. Just be quiet because it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is him. My relationship with him. How many hear me? It sure makes life a lot different. Genesis 1.26, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. King James says in our likeness. Now those words, image, likeness, means resemblance, a model, a similitude, a shape. God, God doesn't look like us, we look like him. They're anthropomorphisms. I probably pronounced that wrong. What is that? That's not me, is it? And those are appearances of God. Appearances of God throughout the Bible. He's got hands. He's got arms. He's got a mouth. He's got a nose. He's got ears. He's got a face. He's got back parts. He sits. That means he has a backside. So we resemble him. He made us to be like him so we can fellowship with him. How many hear me? Jesus said at John 4, 24, God is, there's no article in the Greek, God is spirit. And they that worship him, worship him in spirit and in 
truth. Psalm 8, 4, what is man that you're mindful of him? Or son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower than the angels. Now, that's very interesting. The word angels, the, Greek, the Hebrew word is Elohim. It's the same word translated God in the rest of the Old Testament. You've made him a little lower than God. Did you hear what the Bible just said about you? You made, One translation says, you have made him a shade lower than God. Now, I don't know about you. That makes me like, come on now. Come on now. What have you done, God? God has given you an incentive and an ability to hear him, to walk with him, to fellowship with him, to love him, and to be like him. Isn't that awesome? What is man? We're made in his image. Just a shade lower. Then, then I mentioned this earlier, Genesis 2. Y'all okay? Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living person. That word formed, to scoop from clay. It means, to, it means the Hebrew words yatsar, mold, form, like a potter, getting clay and just molding it into something, a potter, whatever. In fact, we have this treasure in clay pots, one translation says of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, right? And then uh, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. So man, dust, ground. All of those words, a couple of different Hebrew words there, but all of them mean red, reddish, ruddy of the soil. We come from dirt. There's no, not a lot to the human body. We come from dirt. We going back to dirt, huh? So if all you do is pay attention to dirt, then you don't have much of a life. Most people today, they pay attention to the dirt, but not the jewel in the dirt. Hmm? Is that true? We're carbon-based creatures. That's why everything we eat comes from dirt, because we're dirt. We're going back to dirt. I can't say it enough. James 2.26, the body without the spirit is dead. Faith without works is dead. Now, that, that shows you the main difference between human, humans and animals, the animal creation, is that human beings, God did something to us he didn't do to any other part of creation, and that makes us different, and that's the reason we have the laws that we have. God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the spirit of life. He didn't do that to the cow or the horse or the ape or the bird. No, he did it to man. We're not on the level of animals we did not evolve. And you know, if you're going to get education, you got to swallow all their stuff and regurgitate it back to them. But that still doesn't make it true. We're made in the image of God. You can't cross between animals and man. To do so is to allow the demonic to come into the human person. So now we have the ability to take DNA and take some DNA from an animal, stick, stick it into the embryo of a human. Now, if that lives, and they're doing things like that now in different places. If that lives, see, at conception, where does the spirit come from? From God. But if you alter his creation, and you put animal DNA with a man DNA, question, will the spirit come from God? 
Is it really human? Those are thoughts, aren't they? The body without the spirit is dead. At conception, God brings the spirit nature into man. I got, I got four children, six grandchildren, and two on the way. And I think about all of them in the same way. At conception, sperm meets ovum. God brings spirit, and that makes them human. That baby in the womb is just as human as you are. God has a judgment against America because we're allowing our young to be killed and slaughtered in the name of convenience. Do you think God won't judge it? He will because he loves life. Why do we have the laws that we have? We have the laws that we have that protect human life because behind those laws is the ideology that we are created in the image of God, right? So if someone's murdered, we find out why. Why do we do that? Because life is valuable. Because life is made in the image of God. Humans are made. We don't do that. I mean, you eat beef, don't you? Cows are killed for you to eat beef, right? You like chicken, right? You like to go to Chick-fil-A, right? Somebody's going to kill that chicken. That means that chicken's life's not as valuable as yours. Is that true? Well, see, we live this way every day, but we don't think it through. Why is human life valuable? What put value on us? If you take God away, you take the spirit nature away, there's nothing left. Did you hear me? Then we're just clay pots with nothing inside. No more valuable than a bird or an ape. You better think about it. The wrong people get in control, they'll treat you like a bird or an ape. How many hear me? No, we're made in the image of God. These things are, man, these are important things. I've run out of time. I got to start this next week. I'm going to talk about the human spirit next week. I'll start there and we'll just continue on because as we get into this, if you'll learn to listen inside to your spirit nature, you'll learn to overcome the tough places of life. You'll learn to hear the voice of God. I do want to tell this story. Everybody okay? Time moves fast when I talk. For me, I don't know about you. I was 32 years of age. I turned a church over that I started to someone else. I was in the traveling ministry. Things didn't go the way I thought they were going. Things never do. And then I started a business on top of that during the week to augment my income. And this thought kept coming to me. Watch. We'll show you how your spirit can help you overcome circumstances. And if you'll put spirit first, I don't care how hard life is or what happens in life, you will always overcome. I learned this, I was age 32. So I turned the church over. I had a business I was managing and growing. I was preaching on the weekends. But I kept having this thought, your best days are behind you. You have messed up. Listen, that's a terrible thought. You hear me? Some of you may be having that thought now. You're older. Your best day is still ahead. If you don't think that way, something's got your brain. Something's got your mind. So, so here I was, 32 years of age. Best day's behind me. Because that's when ministry was really flourishing, and now it's not. And now I'm just running this business and doing my stuff and preaching on occasion. My mind kept telling me, 
your life is done. You'll never be what you were. And you only have a day after day after day after day. And it was trying to whip my tail. Let me tell you what happened. See, I knew these principles, spirit, soul, body. Something's talking to my head. The devil doesn't attack. He'll attack your mind first. Then he'll attack your body. If you let him in your mind, he'll get in your body. And if you let it go too far, he'll grab your spirit. And then you're away from God. How many hear me? So, I said, what what am I going to do? I felt horrible. I mean, you just don't know. I despaired even of life. Susan and I had three children. The fourth one was not yet born yet. All my kids were tots. They're little. They're demanding our attention. My life is busy. I'm running a business. I'm, in min, I'm running a ministry. I'm running a business. I got little, these little kids. Susan's working third shift at a hospital. I got everything against me and nothing for me. But here's what I kept thinking. I see you go back to the Word. The Word will get you out of every scrap, every problem, every challenge, every difficulty. 130, Psalm 138, verse 8. He will perfect. Hebrews says, bring to completion. He will bring to completion that which concerns me. Forsake not, Lord, the work of your hands. Boy, that, I saw that. I said, that's me right there. Then, then, then Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just is as a shining light. It's talking about the sun that shines more and more until it reaches the apex of the sky. See, that's me. That's, your, that's you. Is that true? Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day Jesus comes back. Nay, in all these things, Romans 8.37, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, all the promises of God are yes and amen. And y'all, I said, you know what? I'll get through this scrap. I'll get through this problem. I'll get through this ordeal. I will not go under. God will still use me. There's still a purpose for my life. My best days are not behind me. My best days are ahead. And it enabled my spirit to buoy up. And every day my feelings felt awful because the thoughts bombarded me. Demon spirits, if you got anything going on for God, they'll try to derail you. And they'll derail your mind first. But if you listen to them, you'll get whipped. But if you'll stick with God's word, God will stick with you. And it'll be like a buoyancy in your life. You'll rise up above the water around you. And you'll be able to lift your head high. And one day, that thing will be a thing of the past.